good to see all of you tonight. Uh, some of you, I haven't seen you in quite some time, so it's really good to see you, to see your face. Uh, if you're joining us on Instagram, so good to see you as well. Tonight, we are starting a brand new series. We're finished with the Life in Limbo series. We are moving on to a new series called Lost in the Garden. And so we are going through the month of September. We're going to go week by week, and we're going to look at something that as Christians, we know to be the seven deadly sins. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll look at each sin and see why is it important? How does it affect our lives? Uh, and how do we overcome it? Uh, and so we'll look at all of those things uh, and try to become better followers of Christ through it. You know, in the beginning, just kind of the reason behind why this series is called Lost in the Garden is because if you, if you think back in Scripture to the very beginning, uh, the very first chapter uh, and second chapter of Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, right? And if you remember, things are good. Things are uh, really, they're perfect, right? Man, Adam, and Eve are in the garden with God kicking it back and having just a good time. They're perfect. God is perfect. Everything is perfect. But something happens, right? Uh, and the picture tells it all, right? Eve goes and grabs that piece of fruit that God said, hey, I don't want you to eat that, right? And she sinned, and then Adam sinned, and they became lost in the garden because of their sin. Uh, and we all sin. It's no secret. We all struggle with sin. This is something that on a daily basis, frankly, on a uh, hourly basis, we struggle with sin. And we know when we look in the book of Romans and read all through the New Testament, Old Testament, that sin produces death, right? And that's the whole reason Jesus had to come and die on the cross is because sin ultimately leads to death. And so over the next several weeks, again, we're going to look at these different sins, these different seven deadly sins. Now, you may think, well, there's certainly uh, a lot more than seven sins. I mean, you could go through the Ten Commandments, and there you have ten different ways you could sin. So, so why are there seven deadly sins, right? So a good way to think of this would to be to think of seven categories of sins, right? Uh, in the video, you saw some. You've got pride, right? And there's a whole bunch of sins that could fall under the category of pride. You've got lust, right? And there's a bunch of sins, a lot of sins that could fall under the category of lust. You've got greed. You've got jealousy, self-indulgence, all these different things and each individual sin falls under one of these seven categories of sin. And so tonight, we are going to kick it off uh, by talking about a sin that you struggle with, I struggle with. Uh, I really, I think this is the foundation of all sin. And tonight, we are going to be talking about pride. Uh, pride is absolutely 100% the source of all other 
sins. Pride is the source of all other sins. And, and this kind of makes sense. It makes sense that pride is the foundation or the source uh, of every other sin because it was the original sin. It was the first sin. Yes, Adam and Eve had pride, and that's ultimately what led them to believe that they could make a better decision and do what God told them not to. But look before that. What was the first sin? It wasn't Adam and Eve. It was with Lucifer in heaven, where Lucifer thought because of his pride that he could be better and equal with God. You you know Lucifer better as Satan. Satan was cast out of heaven because of his pride. And so the person who causes us to sin and tempts us in sin is a person of pride. And so pride is the source of all things. So as we talk about pride tonight, I I want us to look at three different things. First, we're just going to talk about what is pride? What is pride? It's a word we throw out all the time, but what is it? How do we see it in our lives? Is it just someone who's arrogant? Uh, And we're going to talk about that it's not just someone who's arrogant. There's a lot more to it. Why is pride problematic? Why is this something that we need to talk about, something that we need to change in our lives? And because it's a problem, how do we overcome it? Right? How do we overcome our pride? And before we dive into this, I'm just going to say this on a side note. Please give me grace tonight. Please give me grace. Pride is a very difficult topic to speak on, and, and I think there's two reasons why. The first reason is because I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I will be the first person in this room to say, I struggle with pride. And so it's difficult for me to stand here before you and tell you why pride is wrong because I struggle with it too. I'm not perfect. We all struggle with pride. But here's the other reason it's hard. It's because I know some of you are sitting here already and your thought is, I don't struggle with pride. I don't need to listen to this. And you are the person who needs to hear this the most. You are the person that needs to hear this the most. The people who struggle with pride are the ones who say, I don't need to hear that. I don't struggle with it. Because they're in that very, that moment, that that thought, you're saying you've got it all together. And you don't. Someone who's humble would admit, hey, I struggle with pride and I need to change it. I need to work on it. And so pride is something very difficult to talk on. So let's dive into it. What is pride? What is pride? How do we see it in our lives? Okay, here's a very simple definition of pride. At its core, pride is simply a selfish focus on yourself. Pride at its core is simply a selfish focus on yourself. All the notes are going to be on the screens. Write them down. Take pictures of them. Whatever you got to do to remember them. But remember this. Pride is a selfish focus of yourselves. A lot of times, obviously and correctly, we associate pride with someone who's cocky, someone who's full of themselves, someone who's arrogant. And, and that's right. That is absolutely probably the, one of the main obvious ways that we see someone struggling with pride. And, and while people may struggle with pride in that way, you may struggle with pride in that way. Others of you may not struggle with pride in that way. And so if pride is not just being arrogant, what are the other ways that pride shows itself in our lives? So I'm going to tell you just basically what I've come up with for how pride shows itself in our lives. And some of these, I'm going to do my best. Again, have grace with me, please. 
I'm going to do my best to explain these in a way that makes sense, in a way that doesn't step on toes too much. Uh, but I want you to see this. So the first way that pride shows itself. So pride is self-love, arrogance, self-centeredness, right? We just talked about that. It shows itself in a, a selfish love of yourself. Being self-centered, only caring about yourself. It's exactly what we just talked about. You also have it show up in self-hate, insecurity. And, and this may not make sense to you, but let me tell you why. If you were, for example, not wanting to talk, or, or a lot of times in church not wanting to pray, because you are worried about what someone else thinks of you, you're focused on yourself. You're focused on how you will be perceived. Your focus isn't on praying or on God. Your focus there is on yourself. If you are overly concerned with not looking good enough because you want to be perceived as attractive to others, your focus is all on yourself there. And if we have this prolonged focus on ourselves. that is pride. Pride is a focus, a prolonged focus on ourselves. It shows up in a way that a lot of you have seen today. Judgment and oppression. These are forms of pride. You know, thinking that you are better than someone. This oftentimes shows up in popularity. Popularity is prideful. The thought that you could be more popular than someone else is prideful. Because in that thought of thinking, I'm more popular than this person or that person, you are showing pride. You think you are above somebody else. It also shows up in racism. A lot of you have seen that. Racism is a, at the forefront of our national attention, of our world's attention, and it is a form of pride. Thinking that a group of people could be better than another group is prideful, and it's wrong. It also shows up in entitlement, something that I see in people, in students all the time, thinking that because of who you are, because of something that you did, you deserve something. And as Christians, we show pride in thinking that because we are a follower of Christ, we deserve blessings. That's prideful. Entitlement is a form of pride. Pride is also defensive, though. Pride is also defensive. If you are someone who always thinks you are right, and you get defensive when someone else has a difference of opinion, right? You think your opinion is right, and everyone else is wrong, and if someone challenges you on that opinion, you get defensive, because you think your, your idea is right. And your idea may be right, but how do you approach that? It, it could also look like being easily offended. But it also looks like unforgiveness and prolonged shame. Unforgiveness, prolonged shame. How could that be prideful? If you think... That someone else, because of what they did to you, is not worthy, is not deserving of the forgiveness of God. That's prideful. That's prideful. 
If you think that what you did was not deserving of the, the grace that God displayed on the cross, that's prideful. That's prideful. I put this one on here for fun. Instagram is prideful. Instagram is, at its foundation, prideful. And here's why. Here's why. Just follow me on this. Why do you get on Instagram or why do you post on Instagram the majority of the time? If you're posting on Instagram, it's because you want others to see what you are doing Look at me. Look what I did. Look, look, I was at Crab Island, or I was at the beach, or I was doing this, I was doing that. Look at me. That is what an Instagram post communicates. An Instagram story communicates. It's look at me. Look at how many followers I have. Look at how many likes I got. No one just gets on Instagram unless you're an older person. <laughs> Sorry, parents. To just post a picture of your kid. But even sometimes when you post a picture of your kid, you get on there to boast about your kid. And while it may be well-intentioned, we do have to ask ourselves, is it prideful? I'm not saying Instagram's wrong or, or, or posting or posting about your kid is wrong. I'm just saying we, we got to check our motives. Why do you get on Instagram? No one gets on Instagram when they're busy doing stuff. People get on Instagram when they're bored, when they don't have anything else to do. When you're sitting at a traffic light. Right, it's a red light. You're not on Instagram. I hope you're not on Instagram while you're pedal to the metal. If you are, I hope you don't crash. But you get on it when you're bored and you're looking at what other people are doing. And my, uh, my argument would be is your thought is, man, I wish I was doing something like that. Instagram is centered around ourselves. And so what we see in this world, I, I say all that just to say what we see in our world is fundamentally full of pride. Our lives are full of pride. It, it, it's almost in every aspect of our lives. Like you could say that you don't have an issue with pride and I'm going to say you do. The question is whether or not you agree that it's a problem in your life and whether or not you agree that you need to fix it. But ultimately all of these things revolve around the focus on ourselves. So why is pride problematic, right? Why is it a problem? Here's why. Pride prevents. It prevents relationships with people. Think about it. How many of you want to hang out with someone who's full of themselves? Nobody. No one goes, man, I just want to be best friends with the person who's full of it, full of themselves and doesn't care about anyone else but themselves. No one is attracted to that person. No one wants to be friends with that person. Unless you're being fake and you just want a bunch of fake friends. Then you might, but no one wants to be friends and be in relationships with people who are full of pride. But it also prevents greatness. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. It's going to be on the screen as well. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. Mark chapter 10, 43 through 45. Here, here's what it says. Listen to this. But among you, it will be different. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be uh, the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not 
to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I know you may be caught to get hung up on a couple of the words in there, but what Jesus is saying here, when he says that you have to be a slave to others, is he's saying you, you just have to serve others. That's what he's saying. If you want to be first, you have to serve. If you want to make it, you have to serve. But what does our culture, what does our society teach us? What do we just as individuals think that if we want to be the best, if we want to make it to the top, we have to be better than everyone else? But what Jesus is saying is, no, you don't need to be at the top. You don't need to be first. You need to be last. If you want to be great, you need to be last. You need to be the one who serves. You need to be the one that's willing when no one else is willing to clean up a mess at lunch or, or whatever it is. You, you need to be the one who is willing to do what no one else will do. And we see this with Jesus and his disciples. When Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, something that was washing the, someone's feet was something that a, a low person in society did back then. But Jesus took it upon himself. Like the Savior of the world got down on his knees and began washing feet. And these dudes wore like Birkenstocks all day, every day. And they didn't have paved roads and grass. They had dust and dirt. Right? So their feet were disgusting. And I'll just be honest. I, I thought about tonight after the message. I, we're not going to do it. But I thought about having us all wash each other's feet in our small groups. But I decided y'all would push back on that. But what a great way. I mean, a great symbol of getting rid of your pride and being willing. Someone else thinks is completely gross. Well, someone else thinks is completely gross. The, the third thing that pride prevents is growth. Pride prevents growth. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. This verse is going to be up on the screen. Here's what it says. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. By nature, someone who is prideful is a fool because they don't listen to others. If you're prideful, you likely think that you know what's best. You know the right way. You, have the, you know the right plans and decisions for your life. I am my own authority. I don't need anybody else. I got it together. I'm good. Let me do me. And you're a fool. You're a fool. I'm a fool sometimes. Because there are times I think I've got it all together when I know what's best, when I know the right way. And I'm a fool because I don't know what's right. 100% of the time. Jesus says if you're wise, you'll listen to others. You'll listen to the advice of others. The final thing that, the biggest thing that pride prevents us from is a relationship with God. If you have your Bible, turn it over to Matthew chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 5, verse 3. Here's what it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. 
If you're prideful, again, you think you know what's best. You think you've got it all together. You got the best plan for your life. You got it all. And some of you in here, you think that. And that's what's keeping you from a relationship with God in some ways. Because if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to be able to realize that you're in need of a Savior, that you don't have it all together. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you think, how much good you think you do, inherently you don't have it all together. And you have to be able to realize that before you can come before Christ and say, Lord, I need you. And I need you in my life. It says, in some other translations, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what does this mean? Again, it means recognizing that on your own, apart from Christ, you are nothing. You are not good enough without God. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. This sends more people to hell than anything else. This one thing is responsible for more people going to hell than anything else. Because when, when you think that you are good enough, or you think that God will let you and let others into heaven because you've been a good person, or because you've been good enough, you are rooted and standing on pride. And that will keep you away from God because that is the complete opposite of what God and Jesus have said throughout Scripture. It's a complete opposite. Jesus says, I am the only way. If you want eternal life, you have to come through me. You have to have a relationship with me. So it, by definition, that's saying it doesn't matter if you are a good person. It matters if you have a relationship. We have to stop thinking that we are good enough to get in to heaven. It, when we think this, it completely shifts our perspective. And here's what it does. It, it shifts our perspective off of what Christ did on the cross and onto what we do as individuals. That is what pride does. Pride will shift our perspective off of what Christ did on the cross and onto what we do as individuals. This next point, this is about to be on the screen. Being unable to recognize your need for God will keep you out of heaven. Being able to recognize that you are not enough without God, without Jesus, will keep you out of heaven because pride removes God from the equation. It removes God from the equation and replaces him with ourselves, with yourself. And pride puts us in direct opposition with God. Let me ask you a question. I, I want you to answer this. So go ahead, get ready. You're gonna, I, I'm going to need you to give me an answer. How, if you're watching a football game, right, if you're at the Fort Walton-Niceville game, right, how do you tell the two teams apart? Okay, the colors, the uniforms, the jersey, right? You tell the teams apart based on what they're wearing. You can tell who your opponent is based on what they're wearing. So let me ask you a question. What jersey are you wearing? What jersey are you wearing? Are you wearing the jersey of pride? Or are you wearing the jersey of humility? Because if you're wearing the jersey of pride, you are in direct opposition of God. 
You're in direct opposition of God. You are on the opposing team. Satan is rooted in pride. Jesus was rooted in humility. The Savior of the world, you want proof of this, the Savior of the world, who had every right to say, look at me, went to a cross and died for you. Look, Jesus is far better than any of us, far better than you, far better than me. If anyone should have died, it should have been us dying for him. But instead, he chose to die for us. Jesus, by definition, was a prime example of humility. Look, if you want more reasons for why pride is a problem, just look at our world, look at our nation. Pride is literally killing and dividing our country, dividing our world as we speak. All the crap you've seen in the news is all rooted in pride. That's it. That is, that is pure and simple, the problem that is at hand. Because people are prideful, and people don't care about their pride. People, frankly, want to be prideful. You see it in racism. Again, we talked about this a few minutes ago. Different races thinking that they're superior to others or thinking they deserve different things, thinking they deserve payment for things. Look, none of us are entitled to anything. We, we see, and let's just be clear, pride is not a white problem. Okay? Pride and racism is not just a white problem. It's it, pride and racism show up in the white culture, the black culture, the Asian culture, the Hispanic culture. Pride and racism show up in culture, period. It's not limited to one group of people. We see pride in the debate on masks. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? And, like, I'm not here to tell you what the right answer is. I'm not here to get into this. But on one hand, we've got people who say, I don't want to wear a mask because I don't want to wear a mask, and I'm focusing on myself, and that's prideful. I'm not going to tell you whether or not they do or don't work, but I'm just telling you, look, if it protects someone and there's a chance, maybe you should wear one. Maybe you should wear one. Because it's not really an inconvenience to you. It's not. It might be an inconvenience to your pride but it's not necessarily an inconvenience to you. But on that debate, everyone thinks they're right. On the, the side of wearing a mask and on the side of not wearing a mask, everyone thinks their opinion is right and there can be no in-between. And I think everyone thinks there, you know, there are some people who are not prideful in that. And I commend them, but there are some people who are, are pride on that. You see it in politics, everyone thinks their view is right. I hate election years. It's, it's dumb. Everything is polarized. You see it. You're, you're not too young to understand what's going on. The reason you've got two groups of people going at each other's throats is because they're full of pride. Because they think they're right and there can be no in-between. That's it. That's the problem. The problem isn't 
anything other than their pride, their desire to be on top, their desire to be first, their desire to have power. What we see is, is pride is just completely rooted in our opinions. Look no further than your opinions. You think your opinions are right. If you didn't, they wouldn't be your opinions. Let me ask you a question. Every day, how many selfies do you think are taken? I'm going to prove to you that our world is full of pride. How many selfies do you think are taken per day? Let me hear a number. A billion? No, not a billion. How many selfies? How much? 1.2 million? No. What not? 1.3? Yeah. No, not more than, there's three point some billion, I think. There's not more than people. 100 million? You're close. No, there are 93 million selfies taken per day. That means there are 93 million pictures where someone is taking a picture of themselves. Now, I can be honest, I do not contribute to that number. <laughs> I don't. Now, get this, though. Of those 93 million, 30.7 million selfies are taken by people 24 and younger. One in three selfies are taken by people under the age of 24. And so I'm going to argue that, that Gen Z and millennials have more pride than any other generation. More pride. It's almost as if every generation that comes, pride increases. Pride is a problem. So how do we tackle this problem? Right? How do we tackle this problem of pride? What do we do? Here's the answer. There's one way that you overcome pride, and it's you pursue humility. You pursue Humility. I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. It's going to be on the screen as well. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Here's what it says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, or thinking of others, excuse me, as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You pursue humility. It has often been said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And thinking of others more. Look at that. Just the way you change the words makes all the difference. 
Humility is not thinking less of yourselves. It's not thinking, man, I'm just a terrible person. Man, I'm just, I'm nothing. It's not that. That is not humility. That is still pride. It's thinking of yourself less and choosing to think of others more. That's what humility is. So how do we pursue humility, right? I don't know that you, if I ask you, how do you, you know, Charlie, how do you pursue humility? I don't know that many of you, I couldn't have done it at your age. So how do we do it? I'm going to give you four simple ways to pursue humility each day. And I challenge you tomorrow, put these in practice tomorrow. Practice and pursue humility tomorrow. Start tomorrow because you got to start somewhere. First thing you do is find ways to serve others. Start finding ways to serve others. Stop looking for the ways that you can benefit yourself and start looking for ways that you can benefit others. Second thing is is seek understanding. Seek understanding. Choose to look through the lens of other people. Give them the benefit of the doubt and try to understand their perspective. Before just thinking that you're better than someone or, or they're out to get you or, or whatever it is, try to look through their lens. Try to understand where they're coming from. Give them the benefit of the doubt when you can. I think one of the biggest things that we need practice with is this next one. It's submit to authority. Submit to authority. No one wants to do this. No one wants to hear this. It, it really, this one, it's hard and it stinks. Because we want to be our own authority, but we can't if we're going to get rid of our pride. You need to understand that you are not your own authority, and God has put authority figures in your life. When you go home, you have parents. You've got a parent, a grandparent, whoever is over you. You have authority figures in your life. When you go to school, look, you may not like them, but your teachers are authority figures over you. So be respectful. Man, I hear too often, too many times, like, it it makes me sick hearing this, of how students literally stand up to their teachers and are disrespectful to them in their face. Man, that's so disrespectful. And I really hope that you do not, in the same breath, say, man, I'm a Christian. I really hope you don't, because that is not what Christ would tell you to do. Christ would not tell you to stand up to your teacher and and disrespect them in front of the whole class and disagree with them in front of the whole class. And I get it. I've been a student. There are teachers that you have that will just push your buttons and grind your gears. I get it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. If you have a disagreement with them, go up to them after class. Don't do it in front of the whole class. I'll tell you one one thing. Is if you want a teacher to hate you for the rest of the year, call them out in front of the whole class. Call them out in front of the whole class and see how the rest of the year goes. You will fundamentally change the rest of your year. I guarantee it. Just do it once. You will be on their bad list, their crap list the rest of the year. I guarantee it. 
But if you have a disagreement with them and you go up to them after class and say, hey, Mr. or Mr. so-and-so, like, hey, I, I, kinda, I had a disagreement with something that you said, and here's why. I just wanted to seek more understanding. I'm sure they would be happy to explain it to you. They might not, but, hey, at least you were respectful in the way that you went about it. The final and one of the most important ways to overcome pride is this. It's one word. It's ask. Ask. Because by definition, a prideful person doesn't think they have an issue with pride. So really, the only way to know if you have a, an issue with pride in your life is to ask. Ask someone. Ask a, a trusted, caring person in your life, hey, do, do I struggle with pride? How, how do I show pride in my life? And again, I won't ask you to do something that I haven't first done myself. And I realize I struggle with pride, and so yesterday, I, I'm just going to tell you, so that we're all on the same page here, is I went to several people and said, hey, where am I prideful? Because I know I have pride. And I almost feel like I'm <laughs> being prideful and saying that, hey, I did this. But look, you, you need to ask. You need to ask people because if you're not willing to ask people where you have pride at in your life, you'll never know about it and you'll never fix it. You'll never overcome it. Because you won't even realize it's there. Because you're prideful. So you've got to ask. Now, at the end of the day, we're all sinful. We all struggle with pride. And if we're unwilling to recognize that pride then, uh, and unwilling to address it, then we lay the foundation for division in our lives. Division with others and division with God. But if we're willing to tackle pride and address it and realize that we do struggle with pride then you lay the foundation for unity with others and unity with God. You can overcome your pride. You can do it. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. And it's an everyday thing. It's not just a once a week, a once a day, a once a year, a once in a lifetime thing. It's an all day, every day, man, I'm pursuing humility and seeking to overcome my pride. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this evening. And I thank you for just the time that we can spend together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the areas in our life where we need help overcoming pride. Or it is something that we all struggle with. It's something that we all need to deal with. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the areas in our life where we need to overcome pride. Lord, if, we, if we're the person who thinks that we don't have a problem with pride, Lord, help us to realize that we're one of the people who need help the most. But Lord, help us to find someone that we can ask someone who can be honest with us, a small group leader, a close friend, someone who cares about us, or someone who won't put us down but will lift us up and say, hey, I love you, and here's where I want to help you. 
I pray for not just our students with that, but with our world. Man, it hurts to see all the different people who go at each other because of their pride, ultimately. Lord, you've called us to live in unity with one another and with you. That can only happen if you help us overcome our problems with pride. So Lord, I love these students. I thank you for these students. I thank you that they're here. I thank you that you have a purpose for their life. I thank you that you love them enough to die on a cross for them, for me, for us. Lord, if there's a student here that doesn't know you tonight, Lord, I pray that you would just flip their lives upside down. Get rid of their pride and, and show them, Lord, who you are and show them their need for you. Overwhelm them with your love. Overwhelm them with your grace. As we go through the rest of the night, Lord, I pray that you'd bless the time that we have. Help us to be honest with ourselves and with one another and with you. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your love. I thank you for keeping these kids safe as they go back to school. continue to be a God of love and a God who keeps his promises. Lord, speak to us. Ask all these things in your name. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.